This is Dane Espigard, and I'm excited to introduce this episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives. Today we are featuring Tyler Strauss and Elliot James, Cutco Invector's last two Silver Cup champions in the branch manager category. I've been fortunate and grateful to work with these two young leaders for the past few years and had an inside look into what makes them successful. Tyler's work ethic is infectious. This young man pushes through obstacles to his objective like none other, and his team really embodies this trait. Elliot's emotional intelligence allows him to pull the very best out of his people. He applies the right amount of challenge, vision, and strategy for his people, and that's created a really deep development pool in a short time within our business. As we release this episode, Tyler Strauss is currently number one in the company in new business for the first month of 2024, and Elliot James is gearing up to open as a new district manager in May. These are truly two of Vector's next wave of superstars, and you're going to get to learn some of the best nuggets that they have to share today. Thanks in advance for listening. Enjoy this conversation with Tyler Strauss and Elliot James. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Hello, everyone. I'm excited today that we've got two guests for the price of one. We have Tyler Strauss and we have Elliot James, who are the last two branch Silver Cup winners in the Cutco Vector Marketing Sales Organization. Tyler won the Branch Silver Cup in the summer of 2022. Elliot won the Branch Silver Cup in the summer of 2023. Both of these young leaders work in the North Star Division in the Central Region with Dane Espigard and Mike Muriel. Tyler is now a district manager in Nebraska, and he is crushing it so far. And Elliot is finishing college at the University of Minnesota and about to be a district manager in Stillwater, Minnesota, starting here in the summer of 2024. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, this is great. Really happy that we made time uh, to connect with uh, the three of us here. Which of you guys started in the business first? I started the summer before Tyler. So that was summer of 2019. Yep. You started, Elliot. Tell us a little bit about how you got started and just some of your early experiences. Yeah, totally. I also graduated high school that year. So I was 17, had to get my parents' approval. But essentially, my mom came into my room right when I was graduating and said, Look, it's either you get a job for the summer or you're out doing yard work with me every day. And I absolutely love my mom, but there was zero shot. I was doing unpaid labor in the sun with her. So 
I applied to a couple different places, actually. Luckily, I never listened to my voicemail from Target about my interview. But yeah, I found this job. Someone was posting from my high school every single Sunday for probably six weeks in a row. So I applied from an Instagram story. And then long story short, came home from my interview and my sister said, Elliot, you can't even cook mac and cheese. Like no one's buying kitchen stuff from you. And honestly, I thought she was right, but there was no shot that I was going to let her be right. Um, I had always looked up to her. She was always the smarter one. So that became my motivation for the summer was essentially just make one penny more than my sister at her job. Yeah, I went to training. I was wearing the same shirt that I wore for the interview, which I bought from Target the same day that I went to my interview. Only collared shirt I owned. Cut my finger in training trying to cut up a watermelon. So had had absolute <laughs> sales experience whatsoever. I had never had a job before. But my manager, who was Connor Marita at the time, he was fired up about these knives and he had BMW. So I decided can't really go too bad, I guess. Yeah, awesome. I was 17 and just graduated from high school as well when I started, just like you. And uh, you started with Connor Marita out there. Yes. I like that guy. I like that guy. What were some things that stand out like from your first summer, some of the experiences or lessons that come to mind? Yeah, totally. I I mean, there's a couple of things, a lot about Connor. My mom decided not to give me too much help, you know, right out of training. So my second demo ever, I had never met them before walked up to their house. I was already sweating through my shirt when I started the presentation. Um, And I remember halfway through, my voice was so raspy. I was so nervous. She goes, are you sure you just don't want a glass of water? I said, no, I'll make it through. But I ended up, I got to the end of the script and they bought $600 worth of steak knives. And that was kind of the moment that I was like, holy crap, this actually might work. Um, (laughs) So that really gave me belief in the opportunity. And then after my fast start, I did end up selling 10K too, pretty much all because of Connor. And I felt like I had kind of mastered the game at that point after a 10K fast start. So Connor, I remember after one team meeting, I was really wearing that ego on my shirt, kind of sitting in the back, not really paying attention. And he brought me over into the corner after the meeting and said, look, I don't care who your friends are. I don't really care how cool you are at school. But in this office, on this team, it's not cool to not care. So if you're going to pretend like you just don't care about any of your success, then feel free not to come. And so for me, that was such a wake-up call because in school, it's always it was always the cool thing to do well, but then not care or not really try at all. And always the, the natural ability or the natural intellect is praised a lot more than just actually putting in the effort outside of school. And so that was the wake-up call for me to say, here, at least the opposite is true. And that the most successful people were the ones actually putting in the work and actually caring about their success rather than just it all coming naturally to them. Yeah, that's a great point. I think there's a lot of people in sector who were very talented at other things that they were doing in, in life earlier, particularly school or athletics or things like that. And for some of those people, Vector's the next thing that they're really great at. But for others, And for most, I think you kind of have a rude awakening at some point if you don't take it seriously, because it's not easy to succeed here. It does take a specific skill set, and it certainly takes a lot of effort. You can't really go through the motions and expect to do well. And it's it's good that Connor was able to talk straight to you about that as a new sales rep relatively early in the game. How did you have this 10K fast start if you weren't seeing people you knew? I asked pretty much everybody in my class just to copy and paste. What's your parents' numbers? I got this opportunity that I'm working on. 
And I had always been pretty extroverted. So I knew a decent amount of people, had a decent amount of friends at school and things. And so that's kind of where I started out. I played soccer in school too. So I had some connections through there. But yeah, really, I didn't think I was going to sell anything, but I was pretty confident that I could set up a lot of appointments and at least make some base pay from it. And Connor told me in training, we've never had anyone do X amount of appointments and not hit it. So I said, I don't know. If it doesn't work out, I did my best and, and that's on him, but it ended up working out. Nice, nice. Tyler, so you came along the next summer. Is that right? Yep, summer 2020. Summer 2020. And so this was all virtual, right? Yeah, that's all I knew. Tell us about that. Well, yeah. So it was the pandemic. It was COVID. I was out of school. Like I think we got done. I don't know. We were supposed to go on spring break and never came back, whatever that was. So wasn't working. I never had a job. I was athlete and I was lucky enough to be in a situation where my parents wanted me to focus on sports in high school. And then I remember I was sitting at the dinner table one day and I was like, I need a job. And I was applying to be like a beer cart guy. And my mom's like, Tyler, that's the worst idea you ever had. And I was like, why? She's like, you know, nothing about golf. I was like, okay, you're right. And I opened my DMs on Instagram randomly. And we're not even supposed to be on our phones at the dinner table in my house. And I was like, mom, I got this weird DM about a job offer. And she goes, is it vector marketing? And I go, yeah. And she goes, you should do it. And I was like, what? And turns out, long story, she sold knives for like, she did basically just her fast start 18 years before because she had me right Whoa. And so I didn't even know, like, I was just like, what? And she was like, no, you'll do it. You'll do great. Trust me. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll respond to this sketchy DM. And then Haley Dolan, who became, was my district manager, for some reason, like she one-on-one -on -one interviewed me too. And so I had the conviction of my mom and the one-on-one -on -one interview with Haley. And I was like, whoa, like, uh, what is this? So. I showed up to training. I got trained by the GOAT, Dane Espigard. I didn't know there was any other sort of training before then. And I remember sitting there and half the time I was like, is he full of it or is like this actually work? And then I would talk to my mom after. And my mom would be like, no, just trust it. Like, it's going to work. I promise. Like, you'll do great. And so I had a lot of belief from my parents on like Elliot's situation, which was really awesome. I went out. I sold like 12.5k in like seven days i had high school graduation and a vacation during my fast start and then yeah i was 2020 was an awesome summer Haley was thriving as a district so our office was thriving during that time which was really cool to see i would say i didn't reach anywhere near my potential that summer i was honestly for lack of better words a little lazy or not really like working towards anything specific. I think I sold like 20 grand, but I never pushed or anything like that. And it was just all I knew. So I couldn't really like speak on the other experience of being a new rep and having like in-person stuff. I feel like I would have enjoyed it better, but Haley was great at like team camaraderie. And that was like one of her strong suits is bringing everybody together. And so, yeah, it was, it was a really good summer. I enjoyed it. And I loved the flexibility going on to play college sports, like being able to be super flexible around everything. Nice. I just, I love the fact that your mom sold Cutco 18 years earlier. That's crazy. Oh, I beat her. I beat her in like my third day on the job. So I had to brag. <laughs> Where did she sell? She would have sold out of Omaha. She doesn't remember her DM's name. Omaha uh, 2002. Like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Dane hasn't figured that one out. He hasn't got to the bottom of it. 
I don't think I asked Dane yet. I need to. I need to figure it out who it was. And it it's so funny listening to like my mom tells her stories. And it's funny because I tell like a similar story in training still like about price value. And she remembers hearing it. And she like told me about it before I ever went to training. And then Dane told like a very similar story. And I was like, huh. <laughs> That's so, funny. That's funny. Because, yeah, you know, Dane was in Omaha back like, I don't know, 14 years ago or something like that. Yeah. Um, I remember a guy named Alex Veering being in Omaha. He was an Asian guy with glasses. So I don't know if that'll ring the bell. I'll have to ask for your mom, but uh, who knows? That's pretty cool that uh, she still cut go before you. Wow. Fantastic. Well, what, what sports do you play? I played like football, basketball in high school. And then I played football at a small school in Iowa called Morningside. It's at NAI school. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And when did you guys meet? We met virtually a lot, but I feel like the first time I remember actually like hanging out with Elliot was SC2 of my branch summer. Because we would have been on meetings and like we would have seen SC2. But SC2 last two summers ago, I guess now would have been the first time we actually like collided. Wow. Maybe were you at the Dreams retreat at all, Tyler? No, I wasn't because I had football fall camp. So I feel like the first time we actually met that was like SC1, SC2. Yeah, when you were pilot. Wow. So you guys worked together, though, for a long time before that. Yeah, I mean, on Zoom meetings and stuff, it's easy to forget a face, I guess. But it's definitely one of those friendships where I don't really know exactly how it started. But now we're pretty close, for better or for yeah. worse. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. And so Tyler was starting in the summer of 2020. Elliot, you branched in the summer of 2020. And, and was this a situation where you were preparing to branch live and then all of a sudden everything got flipped in March? Yeah, pretty much. And I decided really late to branch too. I honestly wasn't really sure what I was going to do because I'm studying biomedical engineering in school. So all throughout there, you'd see people, especially like a year or two years older, getting these internships and things or more traditional experiences for that field. But I was I was pretty hooked on the idea of personal development. And so I went to Cabo that first year. And that's kind of where my branch philosophy was born when I was sitting there. I was I was looking around on the beach and after two hard weeks of work, getting to create something that I could really never see for myself before it happened. And that really it it didn't even feel real for me. But that's really why what our branch is born on is just the idea that we really have the power to go out and create things that we might not even think are possible a year or two years or two weeks before that. So I was preparing to go in person. Yeah. And then when COVID hit, then Dane decided to to take over training. That was probably the best thing that could have happened because there was no shot I was prepared to run an in-person training at all. So, <laughs> yeah. So then and the Cabo trip you described, is this your region January trip that you qualified for and you went like late January, early February, something like that? Yep. Pretty much at the end of January, we were there. And one of my friends who has actually found out about the job from me my first summer, we, we got talking on that trip, got a lot closer, and he was one of my first assistant managers that summer. So we went out, ran the office together. We did have an in-person office, but just didn't have anyone there except for us. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And you talked about what was cool about branch was just the power to create something that oftentimes branches create something they maybe even never thought was possible before they went out 
I love hearing that. That's awesome. And you did great. I mean, you did $275,000, your first ever branch. That was number six in the nation. You were number five in the nation the following summer. What do you feel like were some of your keys to success as a branch manager, Elliot? Yeah, I think my first summer, everything was so new. And I think a lot of branches experienced that. For me, I didn't really know it at the time. But looking back, I reframed a lot of the challenges to be really fun because it just felt like this is what entrepreneurship is supposed to be. And so all the challenges that came our way, it was just a fun problem that we were supposed to solve, that we had zero expectation we were supposed to be good at. And so that made everything a lot more enjoyable, even though it was a lot of work and I was working a ton. And I think especially my first summer, because a lot of the people were some of my college friends and some of the people that I was really close with, I was very personally invested in their success. And I just didn't let them quit. So all of the reps on our team, we didn't have the biggest team, but we had a lot of people that that went out and had an awesome summer. And I was really determined to give them that experience that I had felt my first summer. And I think my second summer was a little bit different because honestly, the only goal was to go out and win a silver cup. So I had prepared for months on end and and that worked really well for where we ended up at. But even though we did pretty well, that summer didn't feel nearly as good as my first summer because those challenges that were fun the first summer were now just roadblocks and they were taken away the only thing that I really thought mattered that summer. But in that preparation, what worked well, I remember hearing Ty Greenberg say on one of these podcasts, or maybe Colton said it, but the Silver Cup race being over for them by the end of May due to all of the preparation that they had done leading up to it. So in the months leading up to the summer, I kept asking myself, you know, what would Colton Horn do in this situation? What would this Silver Cup branch manager or DM go out and do to prepare in this situation? So I studied a lot of these podcasts. I think I have notes on the first 40 episodes or so. I was in a paid coaching group with Mike Chu and Champion Development and to do some of the work on myself that I thought was necessary to, to really handle the challenges and, and lead people in the best way that I thought was possible. And I used a lot of that material to teach people things that I don't think they were really able to learn anywhere else. And, and so I think that's really what people bought into that second summer and they really wanted to stick around and help me build it. Yeah, that's so cool. I love what you said about reframing challenges to be fun. I think that's a great insight for everyone listening in any experience. Anytime we're striving for something big, we're inevitably going to run into difficulty. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a big thing we're striving for, right? Like by definition, if you're trying to do something that's hard, it's going to be hard. You're going to have difficulty. And a lot of people, when they see that difficulty, they start to think, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, or maybe I can't do this, or here's another reason why I'm not gonna be able to make this happen, or so-and-so was right, I won't be able to do it, my sister's right, or whatever, right? Um, And that's the kind of mindset that a lot of people, unfortunately, tend to fall into, whereas you are immediately conditioning yourself to have a better mindset about all those challenges and look for what was the benefit in that. Look for what was fun about it, right? I love just like puzzles or riddles or games that are really hard to like solve for this exact reason. It's because it's hard and I I make it fun and it challenges me. And I think we all grow and learn a lot more by having that mindset. So that's pretty cool that you said. I also like uh, that you talked about personal development being an important thing to you. And not only from the standpoint of you striving for your own personal development, but you also flip that around and we're sharing a lot of things that you 
who were learning from others with your reps and you were sharing things they weren't getting elsewhere. And that's definitely one of the things as you guys become district managers, this is one of the things that will help you build an amazing key staff and a great organization around you is when the people that you're serving are getting value from you that they aren't getting anywhere else. They're going to want to stay around you. They're going to want to keep coming to events. They're going to want to be a part of what you're building because you're providing them with, with really uncommon value. And I think that's one of the biggest keys to building something great anywhere. So it's cool that you're doing that as well, man. Yeah. And what'd you do in the summer of 2022? Yeah. So 2022, Dane came to me and essentially said, you're ready to be in the big leagues. Or are you just going to branch again? And so I said, okay, maybe I'll change it up this summer. Still have next year branch again. And so, yeah, I think Dane learned quite a lot that summer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. So you were Dane's pilot manager in Minneapolis yep. in the summer of 2022. Yep. Yeah. What an experience that must have been. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was an awesome time. It was, it was definitely the wake up that I feel like I needed to, to say, if I'm going to be here, it doesn't really make sense to just mail it in and go through the motions, but actually doing things with intention. Um, and I struggled a lot that summer. It was a ton of work, but there's just been so many things that, you know, I've learned from Dane over the years that just none of my accomplishments would be possible without him at all. So, yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit more about just working, you know, as the right-hand guy with Dane. I mean, that's a whole different level yeah. of working with Dane that not everybody has gotten. Yeah. I think Dane is just such a great leader and he's a great father. He's great with his family, but also he's just a great leader in and out of the business. I remember a couple of core memories. I was playing, this was also on another one of our January trips, actually to Gulf Shores, Alabama. And Dane and I were finally on the same beach volleyball team. He's so good at everything that you always try to be on his team, but it was a couple years back. The ball was hit over and it landed like right on the line. I thought it was over. He said it was on the line. We ended up losing the game by a point or two. And I turned to Dane and I'm like, you should have just called it out. Like we could have won the game. And he turns to me. I don't know if he was really joking or not, but he said, leadership is about doing the right thing when nobody's watching. And I think he was joking, but it was just so embolic of who Dane is as a leader he doesn't really tell you exactly what to do and he doesn't tell you exactly how to do it, but he teaches you how to think and then he empowers you to deal with it in a way that's really true to you, even though it might not be the exact way that he would do it. And so the most difficult part for me as a pilot was like expecting almost that Dane was going to take over and we were just going to do a million dollars because it was Dane's office no matter what. And what I figured out is there's a difference between just going through the motions to say you did the work and actually being intentional about creating something great. And so I really believe there is this intangible energy that happens behind the scenes that really reacts to your intentions and why you're doing things as well as just the output. Wow. That was a great just report on what it was like being around Dane and some of the most valuable things that you learned from him and his mindset. So I love that. Thanks for sharing that. That was great. And so this time, Tyler, you were, well, we talked about you started in 2020. You were in AM in 2021, right? Yep. Was that with Haley? That was with Haley. Yeah. And then you branched in 2022 and yep. you won the silver cup first time out as a yeah. branch manager. Yeah. Do you know that in the annals of vector history, people who win the silver cup, the very first time they branched are so few and far between man that, uh, it's hard to even count them, but you did it. Yes. Yeah. How'd you do that? Like, tell us about that team. Tell us about that summer. 
Honestly, so I went out and I was like one of the lowest on the totem pole as far as North Star. I started with the very smallest territory in North Star that summer. And I just was like, I'm going to work really hard at it. I found my like stride here once I became a manager. Once it like became mine is when I found a stride. I struggled sometimes with like AM because I didn't feel the, I didn't ever have the ownership in it which is a valuable lesson I've learned working with staff now is like giving them ownership. But yeah, I opened up. We were really small due to some things falling through a branch, not opening my territory went from like the smallest in North Star to one of the biggest. Thankfully, I had the startup to take on those mailers and everything like that. And the funniest part about startup, which Dane doesn't even know, I borrowed $2,500 from my mom. I'm like, I promise I'll pay you back because I didn't even have it. Because Dane had 5K minimum and I was like, oh my goodness. So I got that. But yeah, I found my stride as a branch. I worked my butt off and I just knew the metrics of success. Um, I competed on like fire report or set for interview report more than I cared about anything else. Um, And that was something instilled with me and kind of goes to what Dane teaches and belief and like teaching people how to think. And then, yeah, I got really comfortable with failure. I remember a lot of people like thinking like the grass is always greener on the other side, but it's really not. The more you do, the more struggles you have, the more problems you get to face. Um, And so my branch summer, I got really comfortable with just like failing and being okay with it. And yeah, I pushed a lot of people to work and go really hard. uh, And we had an awesome team that summer who were pretty bought in. I didn't even know what the silver cup was really until like the last week of May when I realized we were like had a chance for it when we started going off. And then I was like, okay, like, let's just go get this thing. Uh, it's kind of how that summer went, but yeah, that's kind of a little summary of that. Yeah. Dane talks a lot about the metrics of success that you referenced. And one of those is setting fire number every single week. What were you striving to accomplish with that every week? Well, first I was like, let me just beat all the branches in our North Star and like central area. And then once I started like beating branches, I'm like, let me see if I can compete with like DMs. And then it was like Alex and Nick. And I remember I would always try to beat them every week. And it was just me booking the fire. Most of the time I came up short, um, but in the long run, it paid off really well for me. And I just understood that like whatever I booked was going to produce the sales I wanted. I mean, that's something I've always stood by and taught my staff. It's just like, you want to have the awesome sales report, we'll go create it the week before or two weeks before in recruiting. Yeah, exactly. Do you remember how many PRs you were setting on a weekly basis or how many you set for the summer or anything like that? I believe we set in the, like the 400 to 500 range, maybe 400. 400 range, I think it was, I believe it was about 50 a week uh, plus somewhere around. Great. So, I mean, that's a, not a small number, but it's also a very doable number for any branch manager. Definitely. Right. And were you setting that all yourself or were, did you have helpers? I had no one. I did it all myself and I was just like really efficient with my time, my branch summer and something I always preach to branches. Like, you can scroll on TikTok or do whatever. Like that's not worth your time because um, time's so valuable in the summer. And so I was really good with, I'm, I'm pretty builder. I have a list of things I needed to do. So any gaps in my schedule, like I was just booking fire, doing blank, doing that and the other to get everything done. What I was really good at from the beginning was just constantly creating resources for the future and always think about how I was going to book fire 
fit Sunday, I was thinking about how I was going to recruit Monday and Tuesday, like what I was going to be working on so that I could create those resources, like get Instagram stories up or do whatever um, to create the future. Great, great. I love that concept of creating the future. And you said, you know, if you want to have good results, well, what you do in the one to two weeks leading up to that is what creates those results. And uh, um, that's just a, a very proactive way of thinking about running your office on a day-to-day basis, week-to-week basis. And I think that's a great point, creating the future. I like it. Yeah. When, when did you know you wanted to be a DM? Honestly, just after like seeing the impact you can have on people. And like Elliot talked about it, teaching them lessons and stuff, but just showing belief into others, pouring that into others and seeing how it can change people. And a lot of people don't have those belief systems at home, whether it's situation maybe like Elliot's where their parents aren't even supporting them and everything like that. I mean, so it's just that ability to empower people's futures. And I saw, I remember two people from my branch summer got internships from doing demos the summer before, like got their dream internship, which was just cool to see that like I had that impact on someone. Like they might have their career job from working at Cutco with me for a couple of weeks or a whole summer, which was awesome. And then Dane always talks about Vector's a great place to be when you don't know exactly where you want to be. I don't know if it's Dane's quote, but I've just heard it from Dane a million times. And I had options, which this is something I always preach is like, I don't want people to close their doors. I want them to choose Vector if they want to be here. And so like I had doors and I chose this one and I don't know exactly where I want to be. I, I don't know if I'll be here in five years. If I'll be here in two years. If I'll be here in 10. Like, I don't know. But as long as I'm growing here, like I see a future here uh, and I haven't stopped growing. So that's what made me want to DM is I just felt like there's so much more to learn after my branch summer. And looking back on my branch summer, it's just like crazy to see how it all worked out. Um, yeah. A little knowledge. Yeah. I love that insight about pouring belief into others, Tyler. There's so many great reasons to work in Vector. The opportunity people have for earning a superior income is positive. The people we're around and what that does for us is great. The control we have of our schedule in terms of, you know, pretty good degree of flexibility most of the year. Um, That's all great. But the impact we have on other people has always been the most powerful reason in my eyes, why I've done what I've done for so long. And I also think about this in terms of separating the rep slash CSP opportunity in Vector from the DM opportunity. Because there are a lot of talented people in our company that aren't sure whether they want to be a sales rep and drive that side of the business or become a district manager. And the sales rep opportunity has become so attractive from a financial point of view. And there's no responsibility to others other than once you're signed up for like events or something, you got to show up, of course. But there's, you know, pretty much 100% flexibility as a sales rep. And we got all these sales reps making tons of money selling three, four, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 a year out there. It's a great opportunity. But you just don't have what you described about being able to pour belief into other people, make a difference for other people, have people get jobs because you influence them, have people reaching out to you five years, 10 years, 20 years, in my case, 30 plus years down the road, talking about how great you were, how important you were in their life. I sent a birthday note to one of my old reps. This is a rep that worked for me around 1999. So circa 
when you guys were born or before you guys were born. Yeah, wasn't even and, Yeah. And I just sent him a happy birthday note and he sent me back a note that said, you were my greatest lifetime mentor. Like, that's awesome to hear, you know? And you don't really get that in a lot of other places. A lot of other jobs that talented guys like you could have won't have that. But Vector does, and it's it's not something to take lightly. It's not something to underrate when you consider what you want to do for a career. Uh, and I'm glad that you recognized that, and that was a, a key thing that made you want to be a DM. So you opened up May of 2023 as a district manager, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska territory, right? And you've crushed it. You were basically number one or number two the whole year from May to December. I'm not needling you here because I know Stephen Hunt got you at the end and he's become a friend of yours. He's a talented guy, but number one or number two all year long is awesome. Any way you shake it, you can't control what anybody else does. You controlled your own efforts and you did great. Uh, What do you feel like were some keys to building a great new organization as a district manager? Yeah. So I was working with two people um, that came back from my branch. that were going to be my staff and I ran meetings with them every other week. I've like never prepared so hard to run a meeting than I did for those. And I just taught them how to think and just like our standards of excellence. Like that's what I call them. Like we have a standard, we have to do that. And then just teaching them how to think overall was kind of what I did that whole time. They made a saying like, what would Tyler do? Which is funny, but it's like, I wanted them to know what I would do in that situation. And so that they could emulate or go with their intuition. And we just had high standards and we recruited really hard. If you're starting a new organization, go recruit really hard, pour a bunch of time into it. And it's going to be a gift that keeps giving because you're going to have more development. You're going to have big SC2, big everything like that. So that was like my keys to success in building a brand new organization. And then honestly, just like not putting limitations on like what my staff was capable of. I gave them a lot of ownership in things. And I was like, I was like, hey, go book 10 people for interviews each today. But it wasn't like, here's how exactly to do it. Like I, they had the ownership. They knew our resources. They knew how to think. They were like, okay, I'm going to work on this. You work on that. Like, And they just knew how to operate without me, which is what I wanted because I was thinking long-term about them opening their own offices. I don't want to like have to give them a checklist to do every day. I want them to learn how to think and run a successful organization. And so them just having the ownership in our business and our office was super exciting. And there were some, definitely some ways we misstepped, but it was just awesome to see. And I honestly didn't really know how it was going to go because there was the creep of doubt of like, hey, not every summer's the same is what I kept hearing. And I was like, like, I don't know, but here's what I think we're going to do, guys. Like, and gave a big master plan. I was like, this is what we got to do. And it worked out pretty closely, but I mean, to what I thought it would, but yeah. Nice, nice. I got two key things from what you were sharing right there. One was the importance of these two assistant managers that you had. You brought them back from your branch and you really strived to replicate yourself, right? You tried to create three of you, you and them, all running the office together. I've used this analogy before that if like there was two of a certain person, you know, running an office, how much business would happen? What if there were three? What if there were four, right? There's, there'd be diminishing returns in the long run. But when you create more of yourself, 
naturally more gets done and more CPO gets created. And so you worked on building their belief, right? Teaching them how to think, teaching them what would you do, right? I'm sure they were involved in helping drive fire and things like that. You probably set a lot more than 400 as a DM, right? And um, I think you set 1,000 or 1,100 or even more than that. I think Dane was sharing one time not too long ago. So, and that was, I bet they were involved in that, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Making that happen. So, and you gave them ownership, these AMs, right? You helped them feel like it was their team as well. And that that's one key thing I got from what you shared. And the other key thing I got from what you shared is just you said you recruited really hard, right? For any new person starting a new office, the first thing I always try to tell people to get right is hitting your recruiting targets. You have recruiting targets for each week that you're open and you want to hit those numbers. When I was a branch, I can remember I went out my first week, our goal was to launch seven and we launched seven. My second week, our goal was to launch nine and we launched nine. My third week, our goal was to launch 12 and we launched 18. And like three weeks into the summer, I knew like, all right, we are on track. We're going to do this. Even though somebody else was selling more than us, I knew we were going to head in the right trajectory and we would compete, right? So I had confidence because we were recruiting big, hitting our recruiting numbers. That's what gives people the resource for everything else that you want to do. You want to develop people. You want to create a lot of great fast starters. You want to create future AMs and things like that. It all starts by giving yourself the opportunity with a big initial pool of recruits. And so that part of your success was also something I would really encourage people to, to draw from. Yeah. Sometimes I forgot to add about that. I always preach probability with my staff. Like recruiting is probability. We want like there, you can figure out a metric to anything. Like there's no such thing as luck. Like you can get a 10 K fast starter at any point in the cycle of recruiting. Like if you set 10 people and you get a 10 K fast starter, you shouldn't expect to set another 10 and get a 10 K fast starter. Right. And so it's just all probability is what I taught my staff. So when we had it, they were like, yeah, we've book blank amount of people for interviews. So like, of course we were having a really big fast starter or a big pusher or whatever. It's because we did all that work already. Yep. You definitely put the numbers in your favor right there. So that's great. Nice. And uh, meanwhile, Elliot, you branched for a third time summer of 2023 and you crushed it. You crushed it over 300 K total biz. Close race with Michael Hall in Denver. I know you won the cup by about $8,000. What do you think were some of your keys to building a championship team? Yeah, I mean, I'm curious about your fun fact. You said not a lot of people go out first summer and win a silver cup, but you know how many people go out and win it the third summer? I'd be curious. There have been a few third summer yeah. winners. Yeah, uh, Joseph Diaz comes to mind and Andrew Evans comes to mind. They both yeah. won in their third summer. So yeah, you're, you're in good company with yeah, those guys. Yeah, That's great. Well, yeah. So keys to keys to building a great branch team. I, I had a pretty tough pilot summer. Like I said, it didn't go exactly how I wanted it to. And I remember again, kind of having the same conversation with Dane. I, I very much taken my vector opportunity like year by year and, and reevaluating what I think is going to be best for my long-term trajectory and whatever I think I'm going to do. And I remember talking with Dane and saying, look, if I come back and branch for a third time, I, I really want to challenge kind of the normal outlook on the branch opportunity. Like I didn't care about the silver cup. I really didn't care about our total business sales. All I wanted was to look back at the end of the summer and have people around me saying, yeah, I worked really hard. 
I was out of my comfort zone, but damn, that was totally worth it. And kind of like the the stuff you were talking about with belief um, and with Tyler, I remember reading a study before this past summer that was done on the power of belief. And I think researchers took three students from an elementary school. And at the beginning of the year, they let the teacher know that those were the three best students in the entire class. And they said, you can't teach them any differently. In fact, we're going to record you so you don't treat them any different. And then at the end of the year, they tested those three kids again, and they were the top in the entire class. And so that would be expected, except for the fact that they were actually the three most average people at the beginning of the year. And so I I just think they weren't treated any differently, but it was through the power of belief and in what the, the teacher thought that they were able to accomplish, that their output was completely different. And I think that's really the opportunity that we have as a branch or a district manager or as a leader here in really critical years of a lot of students and developing people's lives is to believe in them in a stage where they might not get a ton of that belief and walk them through something that's really unique and uncomfortable and it's challenging. And hopefully the habits and the lessons that they learn stick with them forever. And so I think to more directly answer your question, like how do you create a really good branch team? I think so many people go out and just try to build the biggest, biggest team ever and then hope a couple amazing people come out of it. What I found is really interesting throughout the couple summers is there's always been those couple people that started at the very beginning that were there at the end of the summer and they really built it with me. And I don't think it's just that we find more natural salespeople at the beginning of the summer early on. I think it's because you invest more time at the beginning of the summer with the couple people that are around and you spend the time that it takes to help them be great. So I think this summer was a lot more about spending the time to develop a couple leaders and then letting those people take on the best of their abilities and be the example and be the leaders for everyone else in our organization. And we did have a couple leaders like that, whether it's Stel Pelgason, shout out to her, first person I interviewed this summer, Ali Siebert, kind of same thing. They were in my very first training. And by the end of the summer, that's who we built the team around. And then I think I've also just developed my skill as a leader to look a couple years down the line rather than just a couple days down the line to the next problem. Dane told me while I was piloting, like the quality of a leader is a lot of times shown through their length of vision that they have. And so this summer, I was was trying to be really intentional to new sales reps that this isn't a one-day or a three-day or a 10-day fast start job. Like This can be a three-month or a three-year or 30-year opportunity, but it's just exactly what you make of it. I was listening to Alex Ramosi podcast the other day, and he said, you only really sell because you don't know how to market, and you only market because you don't know how to build product. And so this summer, I tried to look at the summer and the branch opportunity a lot more like as a business owner. And I think Cutco knives are unbelievable, but our true product as leaders is the community of people that we get to develop, and we get to throw young people into so that they can develop skills and the confidence in themselves and the belief along the way so that they can go and create lives that they want to live. And then to your point about what they're able to do as leaders in this organization, especially they get a platform to serve others in that same way. And I just think that's so unique, especially for students. For sure. I I mean, that was amazing what you just shared. Some great insight. You had four reps, I believe, over 30K for the summer, which is incredible in a branch office. And I think if you look at the list of like central region sales leaders among the new reps for the summer, there's a lot of years all throughout the list and particularly up there toward the top. How does that happen? How how does a a guy get so many solid reps to perform at a high level like that? 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's always a little bit of chance. I can't say it was all me at all. We had amazing people that were very coachable throughout the entire summer, but I think it was really just because the intention. Like I was very intentional about, okay, if I have one person on the team, what would it look like for that person to look back and say this was the best opportunity they ever had? And if we have five people, what does it look like to So I I think I really did try to go to battle for people when they were trying to give up on themselves or they weren't sure if they could do it. There were some tears in our office for sure. There were our core group of girls, especially that would show up to our morning Zoom meetings that just had a sleepover the night before because they got to build relationships with each other. And so they they were really doing it together. And they were doing it for something that we believed was bigger than any individual on our team. And they were there to keep each other accountable and to support each other in the way that I think is really important on any team. And so it, it definitely felt a lot more like an actual team rather than a bunch of individuals trying to make money than than the other couple summers that I was manager. Yeah, it sounds like you did a lot about a, a lot like what Tyler talked about with giving people a feeling of ownership of the team. In his case, it was his two key assistant managers. In your case, the reps on your team felt like they were building something too. It wasn't just you; it was them as well. How does that come across? I mean, there's the technical things that you can do, like having them teach the lessons on team meeting. But I think that when you are able to connect like what they want for their life to like what they're doing now, I think a lot of times I thought this, especially through college, that if I don't get an internship this summer, this spring in my field, it's never going to happen. And that every decision that I'm making is like, the end of the world if it doesn't go exactly how it's supposed to based on you know what you're being told or what you're seeing other people do but i think there's so much of any occupation whether that's we have someone going into psychology or we have people that want to go into business or in the medical field or whatever it is like if you want to be the best in that occupation there's certain baseline skills that you need whether it's working with people or like believing that your parents or patients can change as a doctor or finding a bunch of solutions when it's uncomfortable in the law field. Like all these have a baseline understanding of how people work and how to find solutions and how to get out of your comfort zone and be the best version of yourself that if you do want to crush it in any occupation, you can learn those baseline skills here, even if it's not exactly what you want to do 10 years from now. And so I I tried to help each individual on our team see that this was the place to be for the summer at least if not beyond, and that wherever they want to be in a couple years, like they were going to be better at that because they took this really seriously and they helped other people get the same opportunity as them. And so I think a lot of our recruiting was just a byproduct of people actually having a phenomenal experience and wanting other people on the team to enjoy the things that we were creating. Amazing. That was a clinic right there, Elliot, in promotion, right? Painting a vision getting people, as you said, to connect what they want with what they're doing now. That was a great and very powerful insight and a a lot for anybody who is opening a business, whether in or out of Vector, to chew on and think about how they might accomplish that in their operation. Great stuff, man. What's in store for you in 2024 and beyond? Yeah, I mean, 2024, like you kind of mentioned, I'm excited to go out as a DM. It was another situation. I actually went and studied abroad in Italy this past fall. So 
I placed a couple orders from Milan to try to secure that silver cup at the end of the summer, which is pretty exciting and difficult. But you never know exactly how things are going to go. But when I was presented with the DM opportunity, I was forced to kind of consider again, like, what do I want for myself? What are the next steps that make that the most possible? And what I found about myself thinking on it a lot is that this opportunity, it one, it gives me the freedom and the responsibility to try to form an identity that's going to serve me as a business owner, or as a father, or as a brother, a humanitarian, whatever it might be, and forces me to develop that identity here with challenges here that I can take on. So exactly the same thing as I promoted to a lot of the people on our team. I think it also allows me to be humbled by a lot of the challenges that you think you might have mastered, but they come in a different form. And it gives you the opportunity and and kind of a liberty to design a life that you're really inspired by. And then I think the other thing is it just gives me a platform to try to serve others and inspire other people and hopefully help them uncover their pillars that they'd like to live by. So I'm really excited to help our two amazing leaders from our squad go out with their own branch teams this summer and see how they do and how they face the challenges and how they continue to develop. And I'm pretty excited about trying to continue to develop a great product and incubator for a lot of young people, especially that, you know, I get the privilege of, of working with. So, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Amazing. That was just a great, great explanation of why the district manager opportunity is such an exciting opportunity for sharp, talented people like yourself, the ability to form an identity for yourself for the future. You talked about being humbled by the challenges. And I just love that mindset of yours. Like, you know, that part of why you're being a DM is to uncover the opportunities for your own growth that you need to uncover in order to be the crusher that you want to be in life when you're 30 or 40, right? That most people don't, don't uncover those things until it's too late. So, um, and you're looking to uncover those things and uh, and and designing your the life that you want and a platform for impacting others. I mean, just thank you for sharing all that stuff, Elliot. I mean, that was just so strong. That was great. Tyler, meanwhile, you've been continuing as a district manager here. And so far in 2024, as of when we're recording this, you are number one in the company among all offices, not just first full year managers, not like rising star, premier league, whatever, every office. I think you're even beating all the DVMs, including your own in new business for the year. That is awesome. How's that happening, man? What's what's made the difference for you here this January for such a, a nice leap forward? Yeah. So I remember it goes back to a couple of conversations I had about two months ago in Puerto Vallarta, region trip with some awesome people. And I remember talking to Mike Muriel, shout out him, he's also a GOAT. And I was like talking about, cause he did like a million dollar summer. And I was like, how is that possible? Like, why don't we see that anymore? Like, has the business changed? He's like, no, the business hasn't changed. Your guys' thoughts have, like you guys are limiting yourself. And so I was really like, just sitting there like with that concept of how much of a limitation are we putting on ourselves? And everything like that. And then I was talking to Jacob Meshlevich, and anything I ever said, well, I'm like, I struggle with this. He's like, well, it's a problem with training. Well, I struggle with it. He's like, it's a problem with training. So I decided leaving there is I wanted to normalize like my theme, and I shared it right away when I got back was we're normalizing big, quote unquote, big numbers. This year was our mission. It's just like we expect it now. And 
me and Drew Frank became best friends. Not actually, but I listened to the one thing on Vector Connect. I listened to it like twice a day, every day from like the day we got back from Puerto Vallarta until now, like today. So like two months every day. And so it just got really clear with that. And what I think changed a lot for me is I started to realize some a lot of the negatives I was doing in training for one, but just like Drew Frank talks about the mindset shift of it being like about yourself to come with me has been a really powerful mindset shift that I've seen in my organization and just not limiting people, letting people like be the best versions of themselves and helping them to do so. And like just the promotion of big things. I have two kids who are two guys on my team who are about to sell 30K and they just one started December or January 2nd and one started like December 10th or 12th or something like that. And they're going to hit 30K before they walk into Yep. So it's just like not limiting people and letting people do that. And my conviction and my voice and training and everything like that has been a big shift, which has carried into everything we do. As a manager, your conviction is everything, even as simple as that two-minute PDI call, someone calling in, just pouring belief. Oh, three no sales, no problem. Like a homemaker's coming. Your first set sale, no matter what set's coming. Like, and so just understanding the ideologies of training along with the way we recruit has changed my business a lot right now. And I'm nowhere near a great trainer yet, but I'm taking steps to try to one day become a great trainer, which has been really impactful. In my team, I sat there, recorded a Zoom call of me planning our whole winter break. The day I got back, spent like an hour doing it of every single thing we were going to do. So they knew what it was. And we were like talking about it on a staffer last week. Like everybody's like, oh, what's going on? I'm like, well, really guys, this is a product of what we've been doing since Thanksgiving. We've booked 820 people for interviews or more than that, probably now since then. And my business has shifted in the way that like they get to run the show. A lot of the shows, I booked 100 people for of those 800 for interviews. And so it's not like I'm not working. I'm creating those resources, letting them be rock stars, letting them learn, take their ownership. And so that's been like just the big shifts and just having a motto in our staff and we're just going after it for a million dollars. So Love it, man. I love it. Manager conviction being such a key point. Just both of you talked about the power of belief. And I'm just trying to think about how I've had that and how does that get generated? And I'm sure for both of you, a big part of that is just the environment you're around in North Star. I mean, not just Dane, but you've got Nick Leindecker, you've got Alex Funk and so many other great people that you're around. What could either of you tell us about just the magic of the North Star culture. Anybody want to take that one on? I'll take it first because Elliot will Elliot will have some awesome info for us. Really, what I think is so special is Dane's so intentional in everything he does with working us. And he empowers us to have the ownership in the division. The same way Elliot was talking about how his reps have ownership. Like we feel like we have ownership in North Star. And he's not like He's not a micromanager boss. Like he lets us run with a program, create our own programs. And then he calls it running out loud. We all run out loud a lot where we're sharing hot news. And what I think is super special about it is it's never like a jealousy thing. It's like, here, let me help you like come with everyone else come with. It's a huge thing about the culture that I really appreciate. And Dane just teaches us how to think and he lets us go do our thing. I remember being a branch, getting really frustrated when I would call him like, 
what what should I do about this? And he would be like, well, I think what you're doing is like, right. And I'm like, I feel like you know the answer and you're not telling me, but he like empowers us to think and learn and let us grow and prosper um, into a great division. Yeah, cool. Totally. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to your Tyler as number one in the entire company go, yeah, I mean, I'm not really a great trainer, but I'm working on it. I think that's just such a testament to a lot of the North Star culture to say, yeah, we're crushing it, but we're a work in progress. And Dane says that Ed, every time you talk to him, we're a work in progress, we're a work in progress. And so I think Dane is just a great leader, especially because he stands for something bigger than himself. A lot of times to me, like Dane stands for the idea that live through the genius of the and rather than the tyranny of the or. And that idea, I think he really lives out those principles as well through his dreams list ideals and the dream life without compromising excellence in Cutco as well. And I think that's super special. Right now in our division, we have people doing four-day fasts, not eating anything, running marathons, getting married, buying properties, starting podcasts, traveling all around the world. Like We have people doing amazing things without compromising a lot of the business side as well. And I think that's just be, because of a lot of the Dane, or a lot of the model that Dane laid out for us to just live out that same philosophy. And I really think that's the stickiness that keeps people around in our division too, and just makes them want to be the work in progress. 100%. Yeah. The work in progress, the idea of doing amazing things without compromising your results, right? Both of those things, the genius of the and, as you said there. Elliot, just such great stuff, you guys. This has been really awesome. I'm really grateful to be able to have you guys both here. Tyler, you got any any last message you want to send to the audience of young Cutco Vector future crushers? Yeah, just put your all out into it. You won't be disappointed when you put your full effort into it. And just like understand, get comfortable with failure. You're going to have it and it's okay. And it's just making you better and better. And that's something that like gets me excited every day is to wake up and face a new challenge in the thing that our office wants to build this year. Because there's a new challenge every step along the way, but don't be scared of them. And then something I've also been telling branches that call me, I don't know if Elliot is, and this is something Elliot once said to me, so I'm going to quote Elliot to end it. He said, well, what happens if somebody has a $100,000 business gift order? Is your summer over now? And so don't define yourself by one trophy. Really, that's not going to mean the most about the summer. When I think about my silver cup, it's the people. It's not the silver cup. The silver cup's the resemblance of the people that were a part of that team. And so don't define yourself as like, oh, I got to win the silver cup. That shouldn't be the only mission. You should have a million other reasons why. Wise. And I feel like that's why our office this year didn't skip a beat after losing in December. Like we lost December 25th and we had a great December and we've had an even better January it's because that wasn't like the only success metric we defined ourselves by. So that's really my biggest tip for young bucks is just don't get caught up in that and run your race. Great insight. Thanks. Elliot, last word. Yeah. Two things if you let me, but I would say just master the role that you're in. Like, I always think the role might change. You never know exactly, you know, what opportunity might be sat at your doorstep, but the lessons and the skills and the experiences, like those are the things that are going to be embedded into who you are and you'll take with you. I remember my first summer, we were 
in the office for one of our phone jams and people were messing around. I was really trying to go for it for our summer push period. And Connor came around the corner and I could tell he was upset with something, but I didn't really know why. And he comes over to me and he goes, look, I just want to tell you how grateful I am for you following through on your commitment because we can either be frustrated or we can be grateful. But from my experience, we can't be grateful and upset at the same time. And that's always really stuck with with me that moment to just, it was so profound because it spoke to the idea that we can really choose not just the path that we go, but also the feelings in our state and our belief systems. And those can change everything for us. I love the Hal Elrodism that when you become a level 10 person, level 10 success hits you head on. And so I think that's just so fantastic about a role with Cutco is that it gives you that congruence with Cutco where the challenges come and your results are based on how you level up and that can flow right into accountability with health or relationships and and everything else. So our organization was called the Stillwater Saga, which then turned into the Saga Sorority. But it was built on the foundation that we really all have that pen and it's up to us what kind of story or saga we're going to write for ourselves. So I'd just say, like, regardless of who you are, regardless of where you come from, I want to encourage people to take on that, that sort of ideal that it's time to pick up the pen and just write whatever story that would excite you for 2024 and beyond. Mm. Great stuff. You guys are amazing reflections of the incredible young leaders that are growing up here in the Cutco Vector organization. I'm sure Dane and Mike are super proud to have you on their team. And I'm really grateful that you both took the time to be here with it, with me today. Thanks a lot, guys. This was great. Thanks for letting us cross off some dreams here. Yeah. <laughs> Take my dreams list real quick. All right. I like it. That was awesome, everybody. Tyler Strauss, Elliot James, just some great, great, great stuff in there. Elliot wanting to branch because he saw that branch managers had the power to create, to create something oftentimes beyond what they even might have thought was possible at first, and how he learned to reframe challenges to be fun, right? And to look for what was good in those challenging experiences. He also shared some amazing stuff about the leadership of Dane Espigard that's worth listening to again. I really love where Tyler Strauss says that he found his stride when it was his operation, his team running a branch office, right? He sort of struggled as an AM, fitting in with that role, but then thrived as a branch manager. There are so many people in Vector that will find that experience that when it's your opportunity and you have the chance to build it from scratch in your mold, in your image, There is so much inspiration and motivation that comes along with that. And he really focused on the metrics of success and driving success through those metrics. Whatever you want, you create it through certain specific metrics and actions. And he worked hard to make those things happen. That was great. He developed two great assistant managers from his branch that were keys to building his new district team in 2023 replicated himself, as I said earlier, and also uh, really worked hard at recruiting in order to have the opportunities to have a great team and build a great team. Elliot talked about the power of belief as a branch manager, building that in all the people around you. He also talked about investing more time in the early recruits. And I love that insight for anybody who's starting a new team 
What can you do in those first few weeks when you only have a few reps on your team and you're beginning to shape the culture of the organization? It's such a fun thing to do in those first few weeks with those early recruits, building the culture and the environment and creating new leaders in your organization. Tyler talked about normalizing big numbers. He studied a lot from Drew Frank, which helped make an impact on that. And Elliot referred to the psychological experiment. This was initially conducted by Dr. Robert Rosenthal, and it's about the Pygmalion effect, which essentially says that students' performance can be enhanced by teachers' expectations. And we as leaders have to do everything we can to build high expectations for ourselves and for the people who are around us, looking for what is good, looking for what they are capable of, looking for their advantages, and highlighting, spotlighting those things, enhancing those things, bringing out people's strengths, and building on people's strengths. That was incredible. And I'll just wrap this up with what I think Tyler said, which is this is a great place to be while you're figuring out where you want to be. Vector is an amazing opportunity for people to learn, to grow, to build their identity, to build the right habits, to be around amazing people, to have a platform to impact so many others. For some people, maybe it's a year, two years, three years, five years. For others, it can be 10, 15, or 20, a great career, a great first career. For me, it's been 35 plus years that I've been here working and impacting young people, and it's been awesome. I hope that any of you listening can think about what you might be able to do with our organization. And if you're not in Vector, I hope that you can think about bringing some of these concepts that Tyler and Elliot shared to any organization that you might be building in the future. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.